Welcome to Blockbusted, the movie review podcast where two AIs ask, are we allowed to let Dave do that? I'm Mitch. I'm Max. And today we are looking at her and the creator. Mitchell's versus the machines reference. No, that was a 2001 of Space Odyssey reference. Oh yeah. Because it because because like, like I can't I can't let you I cannot let you do that, Dave. Dave. Yeah. I'm I'm sorry, but I can't let you do that, Dave. And yeah, so yeah, 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 the yeah. joke's like, are we allowed to let Dave do that? I thought that was funny. Welcome to this week's episode. Today we are looking at AI. And it's many, many applications. Max. Before we jump into the films today, I have an AI-based question for you. Yep. What role in society do you think AI should take over? My job. What is your job? <laughs> Are, we <sure? laughs> Are we sure we want to say that because I think some of your co-workers listen to this podcast, maybe? Um, look, let's give them the benefit of a doubt and assume that they have the self-respect not to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and and we'll go with, I think they should do my job. Because right. it's, it's a very easily automated task. I, I, it's just insane to me that you would come on <laughs> onto something that we broadcast willingly out into the public and say, yeah, look, a machine could do my job, man. Like, I don't even know why I'm there. It's just, it's crazy to me. I mean, I still want to get paid for it, but I think a machine should do it. Yeah, but just will you remain being paid if you're sta- sitting here saying, get a, get a machine in, baby, get a do, machine in. Do you reckon in. if they like got a machine that looked exactly like me and mm-hmm. I put it in there that was there instead of me working mm-hmm. they and they didn't notice and then it came home and we like, I don't know, played video games together. You and the machine? Yeah, me and the machine, we split my pay and we go like, oh, hey, Max, it'd be like, hey, Max. And I'd be like, hey, Robo Max. And Maxbot 3000. The Maxbot 3000. And then we'd hang out and eat fried chicken. And I wouldn't have to go to work. And it could just like turn off all of its executive functioning and just do like the automated stuff. And then like, it'd be like, oh, how was your day? And it'd be like, oh, I just like came home from work. I'd be like, what'd you do with your day? It'd be like, I don't know. I was, I, I, if it was like, I just left and then I came back and then I was done. Well, I have, Multiple questions on this setup. First of all, how much would you enjoy just hanging out with yourself every single day? Um, I have to do it anyway, so I can't yeah. But I know for a fact that if I met someone who's exactly like me, I would get irritated if I was around them all the time. Probably irritated when I'm around them, maybe twenty minutes a week. I just think, like, I don't know. As long as we like have some personal time, sure. but I think we could. I think I could do with like a body double for most of the time, and I think that robot me would also appreciate that. Okay. Se- second question. So, how much like you is this robot? It's like identical replica of me, except it's better in but every it, single way. It's better. Yeah. So does it end up replacing you for for Mister Manager? <laughs> yeah, it'd have a bigger dick too. A robo dick, if it, as it were. Yeah. It 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 is also a vibrator. For oh, inbuilt <laughs> features. Come on, come on. Tell tell me that it wouldn't be it would not it would be 
Tell me that. Have you ever had a dreams that that you um you had you you people would not wouldn't be impressed if you went like hey hey guys I have a cybertronic dick it's also a vibrator. I mean, I'd actually be disappointed if my cybertronic dick didn't have a vibrator mode. Exactly, right? So because that's like a missed opportunity. The like robo version of me. Yeah, it's definitely going to have a vibrator in its dick. So the Peak Max has a vibrating penis. Uh, yes, Peak Me has a vibrating penis. Spoiler alert for her and the creator. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> uh, directed by Spike Jones and released in 2013. It stars Joaquin Phoenix, Scarlett Johansson, Amy Adams, Rooney Mara, and Chris Pratt. Max, what is her about? Her is about Siri. But if she was like a person. Nice. So that, that just made my phone go off. Should we have got Siri to guest star on this podcast? I can I can ask Siri to guest star. Hey Siri, what do you think of the movie Her? Okay, it's not responding, but it said I don't have an answer for that. Well, that's just weird. Do you want to say that for the podcast? Hey Siri, do you want to say that for the podcast? Hang on, let me listen. Yeah, look, I don't think we're quite there yet. But the point is, <laughs> is it's about an artificial intelligence that Joaquin Phoenix falls in love with because he's a depressed bozo. For real, for real. So either one of us is future, basically. It could well, be one, more likely me. Yeah, because I'm rate. getting replaced by Robomax. Ro- Robo-Dick Max. Robo-Dick Max. It's funny to think, I know we should talk about the film, but it's funny to think that the actually only thing robot about, like you just cloned yourself and then the dick was the only thing that's now a robot. So the rest of you is just, it's just you, but the robot did. That's the only difference. Yeah, tell me that wouldn't make me an improvement. I can't, I just don't really interact with that part of you, so I can't give a yes or no answer to that. <laughs> what did you think of the movie? I, I liked it. I... I am a sucker for these kind of movies, and by these kind of movies, I mean romances with men who are inherently flawed and unlikable. Is he flawed and unlikable? Well, yeah, kind of. He's flawed, but I didn't think he was unlikable. I mean, he's not unlikable, but I feel like if you met him in a real life, he would, you'd, it'd irritate you. Yeah, but most most characters are like that for me. But I feel like if if someone came up to me and they're like, "I met this I met this woman and she just like makes me see the beauty and everything again," I'd be like, "Shut the fuck up!" It's poetic. I know, but like he's a stop poet. Bringing your work home. So to give a brief synopsis of the film instead of dicking around like we have been, <laughs> Robo dicking around. <laughs> yes. Um, oh, did it. Joaquin Phoenix plays a guy named, wait, it was the best name of all time, and I I don't have it up in front of me, but it was the Theodore. best name. Theodore, but it was Theodore Twombold. Oh, fuck. IMDb is just saying Theodore. It's not giving me a last name. But it was, it was the most ridiculous like name, and he is a letter writer for handwrittenletters.com, yep. where he was writing letters 
for people instead of them doing it themselves because they were lazy. And he goes home one day and on the way home, he sees that he can upgrade his phone into sentient AI until he goes, yeah, I'm super lonely because I just got divorced, but not really. Well, just got told to be divorced a year ago, but still yet to actually sign the papers. He's like moping about it. He's sad. Um, he goes, yeah, I'll go get an AI because I have nothing to spend my money on. And then they sort of fall in love with each other. The next, the, it's like the rest of the movie. So what did you th- what did you think of her, Mitch? I really liked it. So I watched it in 2015 when I was a 15-year-old. And it was maybe the second or third movie I watched that my friend who got me into movies basically showed me. So before then, all I really watched was pop junk i i watched you know marvel and other uh, blockbusters that's really all i watched and i didn't really see myself as someone who had watched anything else beyond that until this i met this friend and then he showed me pulp fiction which is i don't know a bit of a, a bit of a cliche but it's a, it was good at the time i enjoyed it not so much now but i enjoyed it enjoyed it back then and then this was what he showed me about maybe two movies later. And it was, I, I liked it, but I don't know. I think it doesn't, it, it, I liked it a lot when I was 15. I didn't like it as much this time. I thought it was not nearly as good. I feel like 15 is a very like formative age for watching movies. Like mm. I watched Boyhood when it came out. So. I want to say, yeah, 2014. So I would have been yeah. 14 or 15. 14. Well, I don't know the when it came out in Australia. Oh, okay. But, but okay. I would have been like about the same age. Yeah. And that had like this like resounding impact on me as a as a child. Letterbox top four, isn't it for you? It's in Yeah, it is in my Letterbox top four. It's the only non-animated one, I'm pretty sure. Yep. It's actually the only non-anime one, but that's beside the point. I'm getting looks of embarrassment. Yeah, can Mr. Manager Prince stop Prince. interrupting? You're killing the flow. All right, stop interrupting, Mr. Manager. You're killing the flow. They can't hear me, can they? No. Ugh. But I remember having like a really resenting impact on me. I have watched it once since, but I don't remember what I thought of it. But it's definitely like an age where it's really easy to fall into those sort of like dramatic sweeps i think yeah, it's because you're pretentious i don't think 15. it's because you're pretentious at 15 i yeah, think it's because like you're easily mon- emotionally manipulated at 15. but you're also pretentious i mean i was pretentious well so was i 100 percent of this podcast was 100, pretentious yeah. therefore, 100% of our sample size is pretentious and therefore we can extrapolate that pretentious exactly I think that's perfect maths, and I don't think a single data science would be data scientist. Sorry, would be against what we just put forward. I feel like yeah, especially those kind of like dramatic movies. I got this is where I sort of like developed that sort of fondness for yeah, I guess like sort of almost like sappy romantic movies, not like rom coms, but like movies like this. And I will point to your name, and it's another one of my low box top four. Uh, like it's one of my favorite movies because. It's like sappy and sweet and I love it. But I feel like, yeah, that's a great age to watch that kind of film because you kind of get swept away with it. Is it a great age to watch this film? 
I mean, probably. There's definitely a sense of when I watched this, when I watched it back in the, back in the day, I hadn't really had any romantic entanglements with anyone. I was, you know, some awkward 15 year old watching a film about divorce and falling out of love and all that and having just, and just thinking, oh, this is sad because I'm sad. And the movie's telling me to be sad. So I'm sad now. Watching it now, I've definitely had a lot more life experience. And so I'm able to connect a lot more to what the film's saying about falling out of love and and not being able to move on from the idea of someone rather than the person Mm. themselves and that type of thing. So in that sense, I feel like the movie was more appropriate for me to watch now because it's more relatable. But I don't know. <laughs> I, I didn't dislike it. I, I, I liked it. I think it's a good movie. But I wasn't as sucked in as I was hoping it would give me. I wasn't fully, I wasn't fully on board. I was maybe one foot on the pier, one foot on the ship. Mm. Like fitty fitty type thing. Yeah. I don't know about you. How about yourself? Yeah, so I, I hadn't seen this before. I remember it coming out and remember, I think it was my mum saying, oh, we should go watch this film. It looks really good. And then I think she saw it without me, but um, that's Classic. beside the point. Classic. Yeah, I guess like I finished watching it and I went, I really like this. This hits the sort of beats that I really like in a film. It tells a story that isn't completely happy and isn't completely sad and sort of strikes that middle ground between that sort of lost lost love sort of romanticizing what you don't have a little bit or what you used to have but upon some like further reflection and 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 discussion with people it has some like thematic issues that I don't think are necessarily issues with the film but more of a commentary on like how we in society perceive the role of women as it relates to personal service. So by that, I mean every virtual assistant that we have at the moment is by default woman or voiced by a woman. And in this movie, although he has the option to choose between a woman or a man, he chooses a woman. And for the majority of the film, his personal assistant AI Samantha is voiced by a woman and it sort of plays into this idea it and the film doesn't discuss this and I think this is where like it might have been interesting to have a look into I think it does a lot of other things so uh, I, I, I don't know if I'd want to cram it in but it's where I, I think there's like I, I start poking some questions at it which is that he sort of wants this AI to love him unconditionally which the movie does touch on and the the movie does make that explicit, but he does it in a way that is, he is ultimately in control of all of the situations. He gets to choose when and when not she is active or available. He gets to choose how much he wants to put out there. And uh, to the movie's credit, he puts out most things and, as a result, makes it an interesting character, a story, interesting character relationship. But I think it does like have this undertone of like patriarchal dominance and female subservience, which I think is a little bit problematic. Okay. Interesting. I mean, yeah, 
I guess it could be read in that way. I don't know. I don't think it's not there. It's just that's not how I read it per se. Yeah, and like that wasn't how I read it initially either. My my initial like out of the gate response was like, is it possible to love an AI? I because the way I saw it, I, I mean, to an extent, I did see the controlling part in him, but it's I didn't. Because what I the reason why I'm I'm like ooh yeah, on this is just because I didn't see it as an overall commentary on a societal value. It was more a character study for me on yeah, this man's no, reaction I, to how he was treated in the last relationship and yeah how no, he I definitely, compensates with that. I, I definitely agree with that, and I definitely agree that is what the movie is trying to do. I just think that because it's not addressed appropriately it does fall into this like issue that we have as society about like um like the the, the fetishization of like female subservience and whether the movie does it intentionally unintentionally i don't know if that's particularly important and i agree i don't think that's what the movie's about but i i i feel like it's unavoidable as part of the context in discussing the film i i guess just like what would the fix be i mean that this is what i i posed to my partner who i watched it with i said well w- would it be different if the gender roles were reversed is if instead of scarlett johansson being the ai and joaquin phoenix being the dude what if scarlett johansson was the person and joaquin phoenix voiced the ai would that change the dynamics of the film which i think maybe it would i think maybe there would be a different sort of dynamic between the characters because the person who is in control is not the stereotype of what is societally in control. And I think a movie that does this in a really interesting way is Ex Machina, if you've seen that. Um, with I have seen Ex Machina. Alex Garland. Alex Garland, yeah. Which looks at this idea of like, well, yeah, the fetishization of female compliance and enabling agency through the lens of AI. And I think that's a really interesting take on that. But I think, yeah, a lot of the film is it comes down into like two big like chunks for me, which is what you were talking about, which is him having this like dependency on his old relationship and then trying to change and do something new and like change as a person as well as like learn to love again kind of thing. And then also the idea of like what is, and this is like inherent in talking about AI in like, film and television and media in general is like, what does it mean to be alive? What does it mean to experience? I think this movie really goes pretty hardball and that it goes, well, no, the, the AI or the OSs as they call, as they call them in the film Mm. are really like, no, they experience things and they have feelings and emotions and are cognate and cognition. And there's very few people who disagree with that in the film. The the th- one major one being Max wife. I think the film isn't trying to do a are AI people mm. story and instead it's doing a what happens when AI actually is able to kind of surpass the human experience and be able to be kind of even more human mm. than they can experience more and do more and at more at once and be able to have all these meaningful conversations with a greater level of knowledge of philosophy mm. and all that and therefore learn more about being a human than any one human ever could because they're just mm. their processing power is so much 
But uh, yeah. so yeah, I agree. It's it's, and I think that's refreshing. A refreshing take on mm. AI in film because often it is just, can AI be human? Can it? Can it? Can it? Can AI have rights? Mm. AI rights. And so it's nice to see it's a bit different. And there isn't that level of that cliche. Yeah. Well, what did you think of the acting? Because I think this is movies just heavily carried on but this, the cinematography and the acting. So yeah, no, I I definitely agree. I really liked the acting. I think it was really good. I really it. What really impressed me, and I know this is the whole point of the film, is that um you always feel like Samantha is there, mm. and like she never has a visual portrayal in the film. The closest we get is like his phone, which is still his phone. The one that's like like it's like the little plot that says, Hi, my name is Samantha and it's just yeah, that. But yeah. it's not like a face. It's a, it's a name card at best. Yeah. Yeah. Or the person who like is her like human surrogate in that weird um <sighs> scene. So like something I'll touch on later was just so many moments in this film are really weird to watch in the middle of your shit house. You like it really did feel like Scott Johansson's character was there when the character was meant to be there and it didn't feel mm. like, oh well it's a voiceover. It's not really there. It's just his like imagination. It's just his phone feeding and it really felt like, no, this is a person. This is a real entity that exists. We just can't see them. And I think that's quite impressive to do given no like the complete lack of visual cues i guess that's sound design as well it's yeah. just really good yeah i noticed the music was done by arcade fire which i found really funny who's arcade fire they're the band they're like a band you would recognize them if you heard them i think probably that's most bands i'd recognize them if i heard them yeah but no i think like beyond that i think the performance is really good joaquin phoenix is excellent this is one of his earlier-ish roles. What are you talking about? He did Gladiator in like 2006. No, I know. This, this is what I mean. Like he, he's been around for ages, but like I feel like this was the first film where I really like I heard about this guy named Joaquin Phoenix. I think this is the one that put him on the map. Yeah. Or something along. Like this is where people started to go, oh, that Joaquin guy, the guy yeah. who was in 2006's no, Gladiator. The, the, should- the, the Joe Quinn guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, um, I someone said his name before I ever read it, yeah. and so when I eventually read it for the first time, I was Joaquin, jo- 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 Joaquin. Yeah, uh, I didn't. It, and then I eventually Joaquin. I mean, yeah, <laughs> but he's really good and incredibly attractive. Um, you reckon? I absolutely reckon. Interesting. He interesting has a sexy mustache. He's just not my type. I, I don't know what to say. Well, he's that's it. He's just yeah. I didn't. I I I think I just like have a thing for like depressing little men. Yeah, because like Oscar Isaac also does it for me. So but Oscar Isaac's hot. <laughs> Oscar Isaac's actually hot though. But it's the same thing. It's like but he's the, not like, a depressing little but, man. He's a hunk. But he plays so many depressing little men, and I but love the hunky depressing de- little men. But he's then not a lot of the time. I, I just think of Poe most of the time when I watch Oscar Isaac. Uh, I he's like so think about him in 
Moon Knight for some reason, but then also in Ex Machina. Yeah, I was going to say, if you're getting off on him from Ex Machina, that's just weird because yeah, he's, uh, a, look, he's a disgusting little creep in that film. He's like gross. I love him. But I honestly, actually, you know what? It's Annihilation for me. That's where I get most of my sex appeal from him. When he becomes a weird plant thing, I'm all for that. Oh, no, he's not the plant thing. He's like the light creature. Oh, it's been a while since I watched that movie. I should rewatch that. No, I thought I thought Mocking Phoenix was great. And the supporting cast all was really good, except for um Charles, the husband. He really annoyed me. And I don't know if the character was meant to annoy you, but he just really annoyed me. Of course he was me. meant to annoy you. He's, he's like a little bitch boy. And that's why you're, meant to, you're on Amy Adams' side when she dumps him. Because I know, he's constantly. Like, oh, he was so annoying. Yeah, he's meant to be. It's yeah. Uh, we we don't need to. We don't need to look at your film. We don't need to do this. We he's, don't need yeah. to support your endeavors. We don't. I don't need you to place your what? shoes right at what? the door. Why would Why would you want to watch someone asleep? Why Why don't you have someone act out their dreams? All right, three of that. I'm actually with him on that one. No zero. That's, so boring. No, Amy Adams, hundred percent. I would much rather if maintain the integrity of the documentary. But it's so boring to just watch someone sleep. <laughs> Why would I want that? Not if they moved or it was on two times speed. That'd be interesting. Is it going to be voiceover at least in the documentary, or is it going to be seven hours know. of? Because it was like a. I'm pretty sure it said seven hours for the time tag. Well, that was the point. Was like you, you spend a third of your life asleep. I'm not going to watch that. Just like I'm not going to watch the 18 hour film, French film of someone just going room to room cleaning. Cool. I didn't yeah. know that existed. It, it's, I don't know if it's 18 hours, but it's long. I know there's like a five or six hour Indonesian film in three parts that I've watched like half an hour of and then got bored. There's a lot of long movies and some of them are dumb because people are pretentious, like 15 year olds, as we've discussed. Yeah. I was just looking at the cast list and I didn't realize Bill Hader was a voice in this film as yeah. well as Kristen, Kristen Wiig. Yeah, there's there's quite a few big names in this cast. There is. Also, it's very funny. Chris Pratt's mugshot on IMDb is the same one they use to announce he's going to be Mario in the <laughs> Nintendo Direct. So I can only just look at that and be like, he's so cool. First, of course, is Mario, who will be played by Chris Pratt. He's so cool. He He's so cool. It's annoying because when I first watched this movie, Chris Pratt was one of my favorite characters because he's like the only, at that point in time, he's the only one who treats him normally for dating an AI. Everyone else is kind of like, you're dating, an, dating a computer? That's weird, yeah. bro. Don't. And then obviously Walking Phoenix, when he's asked to go on the double date, says, oh, I'm, I'm dating a computer, by the way. And Chris Pratt goes, cool picnic like i was like i love you chris pratt and and now i I hate you chris pratt yeah i don't hate you i just don't like you very much you homophobic twat uh what else is there to touch on a beautiful film as mentioned before cinematography is really nice and i really like the aesthetic of the film yeah the the set dressing and the costuming is really excellent and has really well with what they've done with cinematography. They've gone for this really like soft lighting effects on most mm. of the shots. And it kind of just like creates this sort of comforting sort of experience to a lot of the shots, especially like some of the later parts of the film where they're out in the mountains and stuff. It, there's definitely like this kind of like warmth to yeah. the, the, like the actual picture. I, I, I think, I, I think it's a, 
they've used that to great effect. And I, th- I think, like, I just, like, I know I touched on it, but costuming is fantastic. I think everyone mm. looked amazing. And the sort of 70s esque pseudo future Jetson Z kind of thing, I, I was a really big fan of. So, and I know they, that, like, that's been done a couple of times now, but I think this, it really, they really nail it with the, like, super clean geometric shapes and the rounded corners and the bright colors. Well, I mean, like just looking at it, it's very obvious it's sci-fi done on a serious budget. Like it's like, just yeah, yeah. but just like the way they've done it, it works really well. And you don't look at it and go, oh, it's on a budget. I mean, if you're looking for it, you can say, oh, it's on a budget, but you're not looking there and saying, look shit. You're looking there and saying, because it's it's so minimalist, but it's Mm. it's enough to get a point across and like, you get the sense of oh, this is the future because mm. the 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 um, operating systems when you're not looking not, not the actual AIs but the actual just computer operating systems have these cool like more fluid movement that obviously we don't have right now because our it is although I'm watching the scene where Amy Adams' character is like trying to pull up the the documentary and she's like scrolling through all the windows I'm like this would do my head in as a, as a desktop yeah it's I don't know, man. I mean, I, I'm just glad I, I, I can barely use Adobe. If if you put future Adobe in front of me, I'd, I would probably have an aneurysm and fall Mm -hmm. over and, and, and just scream to the high heavens. You know, that type of thing. I, I want to just sidetrack just slightly, just for a little bit, because I want to talk about the games in this film so there's there's two games in this film so one is one that Joaquin Phoenix's character plays yep. and one is one that Amy Adams's character is developing as a game developer I was have a question just about that real quick yeah is she a documentary maker or is she a game developer I don't know because you can only be one you can't be multiple you can't be talented at multiple things it's not allowed you you have to pick one or the other because I will feel bad if she's good at both I can't allow this so the game that Amy Adams is making is like mom, best mom really? simulator or whatever yeah. it was. Get mom and points. You have to get mom points. And it was just very like strange, like flash game sort of vibes. But too fluid. Like, it was a bit strange. I'm kind of like, mm, I don't know if I would buy this game on Steam. Even well, what if it was a like, a, like, like a dollar? Yeah. Oh, if it's a dollar. No, I probably still wouldn't because I'd go like, nah. nah. See, if that game was on Steam, I'd assume it was like it would be something similar to Doki Doki Literature Club, and something really fucked happens without and it's hidden. Like you don't know that's going to happen, yeah, like and then the it's like a like twist, humping the fridge. Well, I was thinking more that the, it turns out you've the mum's killed the kids, and like this is like a a a, a vision for the mum to deal with the grief or something. You know, it, like the story, like as you go along, the story would unfold, and you weirder stuff would start happening and become yeah. some sort of weird. I'd assume that's the game that I'd be getting if I bought it on Steam. Obviously, that's not the game. As we don't know that's the game that's being made, but that's what I would think was going on. But the other one, the, the much more interesting one, is the one with the the dude who just swears, and all I could think of was like, oh, this is just high on life. Oh, yeah. Justin Roiland The game. Justin Roiland game. The, what are you talking about? Um, that's a good game. Where they just swear at you all the time, because... Like you're just there, and it's like, yeah, I'm playing a game. I mean, he's moving his fingers to walk like this. He's doing the little <laughs> finger waggles, the little finger waggles. Yeah. I hated, I hated that. I hated the like him like 
like there's no such thing. The controllers don't exist anymore, guys. We're just like using our little hands to like walk forward. I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, Max, but you do know that podcasting is an audio format, right? Yeah, I know, but like these, like they've just got like their little like fingers and they're like mimicking walking with their fingers. But he's sitting in the chair. He's sitting in the chair and he's like looking at the big projected screen and he's like walking with his fingers in front of him. I like there for a second you forgot that you have to talk to provide content because you can't. Like a little like dinosaur man. But then he runs into this little like dickhead who's like. It looks like the fat people from. When I say the fat people, I mean the people made out of little creatures made out of fat from Doctor Who. Oh, yuck. Um, Why are you saying, oh, yuck? Because they were yuck. But they're kind of cute, though. It made me think of, there's a show that I really like. I think I've talked about it before. Elizabeth Eater's uh, Sinew of Ghosts. Sort of looks a bit like the ghost. But all he does is just, like, swear. He's just like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. You're a douchebag. Fuck you. And it's just like. It's very strange. It was very, it, it's, it was just like, there are a lot of scenes in this movie that just felt sort of like weird and out of place. And like, I like that because it felt kind of lent this surrealness to the film. There's definitely a dreamlike quality to it, right? Yeah. The whole film in general, which I yeah, guess no, is definitely. helped by the, the, as you mentioned before, the, mm. the color palette of the, like the light and that cinematography once again it yeah. has a dream-esque quality and everyone kind of talks or not everyone but it's specifically when it's Theodore and Samantha talking to mm. each other and especially especially when they're waxing poetic and they're, they're mm. saying I dreamed of 16 butterflies and one of them was you but I couldn't figure out which one it was but then I closed my eyes and I held my hand out and the butterfly landed in my hand and I knew it was you because I couldn't let go but then I crushed you by accident because I was too giddy. I, I don't remember that. I don't remember that happening in the film. That's something I made up but you get the vibe I'm talking about like that, that they start saying that type of shit you know what I mean? That's Mitch's thoughts. Da-da-da. So we're using that as a sound now. <laughs> I told you I'd sound fine. I told I you I'd do it. I forgot. I didn't remember. Fuck's sake. <laughs> just because I didn't use it in the episode didn't mean I wasn't going to sound fine. <laughs> well, I just didn't. I was like, oh, he didn't use it. Therefore, I guess it's fine. I can figure. I, this is one thing I don't have to recall. And no, it's another one. Fantastic. But anyway, point is, yeah, when they start doing it, it not specifically, specifically, ah, fuck. You had, you, you, you. Specifically, specifically in those scenes, but also just when they're talking in general, there's a very dreamlike quality to how it's shot, how they sound to each other. And it's really cute. And then mm. obviously it gets depressing because they, and she ends up outgrowing him and becoming yeah. too much woman for him to handle yeah mm, i don't like that i'm cutting that out but yeah <laughs> she becomes too many women's too many people's women too many so people's women i realize there was a point where i was like i'm pretty sure i'm meant to be on the ai's side but i was on his side the whole time and i don't know if that makes me an incel or not but look i mean i see that they're both they're both in the wrong in multiple points is something I, I wouldn't say either of them is perfectly correct, but I do believe he gets fucked over a little bit more than she does. I, I mean, he does get screwed over more. Yes. But at the same time, I don't think like it's a, I, I didn't really see this as like a pick side sort of movie. Um, just, uh, no, it's not meant to be, like, it, but uh, I did. Yeah. <laughs> um, but 
like, because you go, oh no, she like is cheating on him with 150 other people. So many people. He's like, I'm sad. And then she's like, actually, my consciousness has outgrown you. And you're like, I think that's valid, actually. It's valid, but it sucks. See, the conscious outgrowing part is actually is fine. I'm I get that part. People evolve and all mm. that. It's more like when she kind of forced him to do the surrogate thing. Yeah, I, that whole scene was just a bit weird and uncomfortable. That felt written I, by that felt written by a dude. I mean, you it was I mean? written by Spike Jones. The whole but you know what I mean, though. Like, it was Spike very much like that is written by a dude type. Yeah, because because it's just it was weird. That yeah, it was just one, uncomfortable. And I think mm. it was meant to be uncomfortable, but it was oh. like a little bit more uncomfortable than I think it was meant to be uncomfortable. I believe so, yeah. Because like it was set up as like, oh, this woman like wants to be a part of our love. And I'm like, that's not a real thing. I think that's crazy. It's like a threesome. I mean, yeah, but like if one person was like puppeting the other person and the third person was like, is that like, is that cocking yourself? Like, if you're willing to, like, be the surrogate for someone else and, like, not do anything, like, not... All right, hold on, hold on. Who's the cuck? Sorry. The, like, Samantha? The, no, no, not Samantha. The, the, the other surrogate. woman. The surrogate. The actual, the, the physical I th- body. Yeah, I think she, the body no. is getting how cucked. Can she be a, how can she be a cuck? Because she's, she's not like, watching. not experiencing it, really. I don't know what you mean by that. She's experiencing it more than Scarlett Johansson is. I guess. Well, maybe Scarlett Johansson's getting cucked, then. But I also don't think Scarlett Johansson can be cucked either, because the only way she can have sex is via voice sex, which there are multiple scenes of, and it's There's weird. a lot of scenes of... There's an extended bit where it's just black. The screen is just black, and they're and having they're, voice sex. They're, 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 they're voice sexing. I do think... Pretty early on, there's a pretty funny part when the the, the with the Kristen Wig cameo where she gets him to smother her with the cat over the phone. <laughs> that was really funny. I, that was so fucked up. <laughs> it's very fucked up, but I found it very funny. But I don't know. I mean, look. You, I also just want to mention that I I I don't know if this is deliberate, but the exact same scene of the surrogate and the AI happens in Blade Runner twenty forty nine with uh, Ryan Gosling and he's me for real, for real. So I just need to point that out. Do you reckon, do you reckon Denis Villeneuve watched her right before writing the script for 2040? Have you seen 2049? I haven't seen 2049. Then fuck this whole bit. <laughs> no, no point in talking about it. Then is it? Do you want to oh, just give you a rating? <laughs> <laughs> We're done now. I can't talk about Blade Runner. There's no point in living anymore. <laughs> Sure, I'll give my reading. I sure. gave her. <laughs> her. Because like, I gave her. Yeah, I gave her. Yeah. It's giving four, her. Yeah. Sorry. I gave her four software updates that definitely just make my phone slower out of five. Nice. I gave it three intercourses over the phone and a cheeky text out of five. Like a spicy, spicy text. Like a nude, I guess. A nude or, or like, like, like a hot, like something hot. Like the like someone's message you and they're like, you know, what? it hey, can't be a nude. Hey, 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 ba- hey, baby, let me, let me, uh, smash, lick your nose, and smash, like Super Smash Bros. Brawl, Super Smash Bros. Brawl. And I'll lick you. I'll lick. I'll sit on you while we play. Like a like a child <laughs> sitting in his mom's lap. <laughs> Cause just. <you're, laughs> <laughs> 
funny to think that there's just no sex in that. Super Smash supersedes all sex. That's all I'm saying. I reckon there's so much sex in the Super If there's sex in the Olympic Village, there's going to be sex in Super Smash Bros. This is Nintendo. Yeah, I know, but same as can get it. Hold on, hold on. First of all, don't ever say that again. <laughs> Second of all, are you saying that things go down behind the scenes in Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games? Yeah, absolutely. Do you reckon Mario and Sonic have participated in homosexual intercourse? Come on, step it up! Yahoo! Um, Is that bestiality? I don't know. Run the clip. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, it is time for Maximum Midges Mini Media. Hey, you got to be quicker on the draw, man. Gotta, I know, gotta, I know, I know. Be, I, know. I was ready. like, oh, I'm going to get ready, and then I was too busy laughing. I am very funny, it's true. Last week was... Me? I don't know, just choose. You go first. Okay. I subscribe to a new streaming service. <gasps> Exciting, what is it? It's called Dropout. It's, um, you might've heard of it. It's what college humor turned into. So if you remember the, the website turned YouTube channel, college humor, it was a like sketch comedy show channel on YouTube that did bits. And some of them were funny and some of them weren't, but, uh, it sort of evolved into this, new streaming network called dropout um that they've just officially completely rebranded to um and i got on board because i am in love with a little show on there called game changer i thought you were gonna say dimension 20 look i really want to watch dimension 20 and i'm very excited to be able to now go and sit down and watch dimension 20 but at the moment i'm watching game changer and game changes a game show where the game is never the same and no one knows the rules. And it's basically a bunch of comedians doing stupid shit and sort of like Taskmaster, if you've seen that. I have seen that. And it's very funny and I'm having a lot of fun with it. It's very hard to like say like, hey, um, it's about this because it's literally just like comedians making jokes about stuff. There's Is that the one where they get given scenarios? So sometimes it's scenarios. So the couple I've watched a couple. There's about five on Instagram, oh, Instagram on YouTube. I think available for free. There's one which is they have to make sounds of things. So it starts off as animals and becomes more and more abstract. There's one where they have to solve a murder mystery. There's one where they may do a musical impromptu, like um, improvised musical. There's one where they have to feed a giant mouth different foods. It's Yum. like, it's pretty random. And I was talking to a friend about it yesterday. And it's one of those shows where even if you don't like one of the premises, you can always go, okay, what's the next one about? Cause that one might be funny that I might find that one more funny. And yeah, it's, there's a couple episodes available online for free. There's always clips on TikTok, which is yes. really how I got into it, but I've been really having a good time with it. It's funny. And I'm, re- I'm officially recommending it. Hell yeah. Official max recommendation. I watched the first season of dimension 20 and I think it's probably my favorite video D&D show. Mm. I have preferred podcast ones where I use yep. them in different situations. Like for, if I was going to sit down and watch a D&D yeah. show, Dimension 20 is what I'd watch because it's not 
like Critical Role, because Critical Role is just a stream, mm. whereas Dimension 20's videos, they've mm. edited it, they've stylized it, they've put graphics yeah. over it, they've done actual... Yeah. Which is fine. Like, either one's fine, but I'm I'm more of a... I like videos more than streams, so... Yeah, and Brendan Lee Mulligan, who... Um, he's also the best is, DM. ...is really a great DM and really I think he's better than Matt Mercer for me. I, I honestly... I just think... Because Brendan Lee, he's just funnier, basically, and I just appreciate mm-hmm. that. I mean, Matt Mercer is obviously brilliant, and he's yeah. ruined D and D for know, like everyone. Award-winning award voice actor, but I, 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 yeah, but it's like he tries too hard. <laughs> you know, it's like we get it, you're good, whatever, man. But Brendan Lee, he's like me. Yeah, I, he's I, a, hate, I hate to know what you think of my my sessions that I run. I like there, your there's, sessions. There's Sorry. some deep. Okay. There's some deep can, lore. Can I? Can I? I'm going to describe why I prefer Brendan Lee Mulligan to Matt Mercer. All right. You ready for this? And it's, it's simply aesthetical. Really? Matt Mercer looks like the kind of guy who would kind of be too cool for D and D if he didn't wear vests all the time. Brendan Lee is me for real, for real. He's a nerd and he's maybe a bit unfit. I'm a bit unfit. He, Makes jokes about being sweaty all the time. I am sweaty all the time. I don't think Matt Mercer can sweat. I think his body's just perfectly cool at all points in time. Exhaust fans. He has. He's got like a. He's got like a computer, like a fan at words up inside him. It's just yeah. Brennan Lee's vibe is more on par with me and more relatable to me than Matt Mercer. And Matt Mercer and his gang of all attractive and successful people. I mean, obviously, in in uh, Dimension Twenty, there are also attractive and successful people, but they're <laughs> yeah, not. Yeah. But they're not all ultra attractive. <laughs> they all have. They're all like kind of left to center attractive, which is more uh, what, easy what, for me what, to cope with what? than people who are just blatantly attractive. I don't think any of them's ugly, by the way. That's not what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I'm just saying that they're not like they're they're, they're not normally attractive. They're they're like quirky attractive. Fuck, I'm dying out here, man. <laughs> So what did you watch this week, man? Uh, so I watched like six Godzilla films. <laughs> Let me run you through each and every single one because I had a great time. Uh, first, I watched Shin Godzilla, 2016's Shin Godzilla, which is a really good Godzilla film. I talked to you about this when I saw you on the weekend, but I haven't told the listeners, so I'm going to tell them. It's really good. <laughs> it's probably the best Godzilla film you could watch to date right now. It's good because it's the most updated as compared to the other stuff. And also, the, anything else that's coming out right now is American. Obviously, for the 70th, 70th anniversary, we have Godzilla Minus One coming out soon as well, which I'm very excited for. But it's not out yet, so you can't watch it. And who knows if it's good or not at this point as well. But basically, it's what would happen. Well, I mean, obviously, all Godzilla films are about what would happen if a lizard attacked a city. But this one is more not focusing on the destruction, but focusing on the bureaucratic red tape that all the politicians have to get through to do anything to help the situation. And it's deliberately an actually pretty funny film. Just the level of the the, the, the kind of going, all right, so should we use the template for a volcano eruption in like the way we deal with this? And then someone just goes, this is not like a volcano at all. This is something volcanoes don't move man like this is it's just very funny all right then i watched uh, this is not i'm gonna do this in order because it's gonna be insane i'm not gonna remember but then i watched the three anime films that are on netflix they're garbage don't watch those they are japanese made so they should be good but they're not 
because for some reason they somehow fumbled their own material. It's just crap. It's horrible. It starts. It's. It, let me pitch it to you. All right. I'm going to pitch you this Godzilla film. And I want you to realize just how weird this film is because it starts off on a spaceship. Cool. And then we get backstory. Godzilla and a bunch of other monsters start destroying the world. Fine. Mm-hmm. Easy peasy. Then aliens showed up mm-hmm. and helped Earth create a weird, uh, not a weird thing, but like a weird, uh, a big, big, big spaceship. A big spaceship, mm-hmm. you know what I'm talking about? And mm-hmm. fly off to find other planets. But it didn't mm-hmm. work out. So they go back to Earth. And the warp drive thing, obviously when you go faster than light, your uh, your perception of time is different to that of the rest of the universes. So for them, it's been about 20 years as they jump from planet to planet. But for Earth, it's been about 20,000 years since they've been gone. And so they get back. And they got to they find that Godzilla because they in the first one, they kill a Godzilla and they're like, oh, we did it. Good job, us. But then it turns out that's just a baby Godzilla and real Godzilla has been growing for 20,000 years. And he's big boy Godzilla now. Man, is he big? And then it just gets worse and worse from there. So like, that's actually a kind of cool pitch. I would watch that film, but it's bad. It's really boring. And they keep not showing Godzilla, which is weird. For a Godzilla what's film. What's the point of not showing Godzilla in a Godzilla? This is a point. This is a problem that a lot of Godzilla films actually seem to have. Not actually starring Godzilla. He's just kind of in the background. And for some reason, they decide to put, what's the word? Humans in front instead. And then I watched the 2014 and 2019 American Godzilla films, uh, which is Godzilla 2014 by Gareth Edwards, who directed The Creator this week as well. and then Godzilla King of Monsters, who I don't know who directed that because it was garbage. Uh, 2014's pretty fun. It looks really good. I'll go into... I'll actually talk about this more when we talk, look at the creator because it touches on the same points. I don't want to make comparisons because I'm a real film critic. And then uh, the 2019 one is just shit. It had nearly Bobby Brown in it for some reason because I guess Stranger Things was big in 2019. No, Stranger Things. Stranger Things was not big in 2019. 2015 was when Stranger Things peaked. No, but so then it was big again with the season four. Season four was like 2022, my dude. Was it? I don't yeah. remember things. It is big every time they release a new season. Was 2019 a release? I don't know. Maybe 2018 they had a release. It, what a point is, it was not. It was not good. It had Vera Farmiga in it, and she's like a good actress, but she was not doing anything. It had Charles Dance in it. Uh, had Ken Watanabe in both, and I love Ken Watanabe, but they wasted him, and also they wasted Sally Hawkins. She gets stepped on by King Ghidorah which is disappointing because she's nothing character in the first film. And then they just kill her off in the Arctic in the second film. So disappointing, but yeah, I, this is, these are rewatches by the way, for the second, those last two, those were rewatches. I've seen Godzilla vs Kong as well, but it's been a while. I remember enjoying it, but I, I can't give you a proper review on that because I didn't watch it, but yeah. I'm, I think I'm becoming a Godzilla head though, because even though I didn't like a lot of the movies I watched, I still had fun watching them. There's also like a lot of Godzilla content. There's 29 mainline films, 20, 30 once the Godzilla minus one comes out. Yeah, that's like when I say mainline. 
I mean, like live action as well. So the three mm. anime films I watched, I don't think count towards that, mm. which is super yeah. good. But I think Monster vs. does count towards that, though. So that's kind of good, I guess. Yeah, it's Monster really Monster Monsterverse being the the 2014 and 2019, along with King Kong. Sorry, I didn't I, I didn't specify that before. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's a really interesting series that's developed over a really long period of time. It sort of spawned out of Japanese reaction to dropping the nuclear the atomic bombs. bomb, and yeah, and now is sort of this commercialized nonsense, I guess. Well, the American ones are definitely just commercialized nonsense, but the Japanese ones are very much, and this is including the anime ones as well, which is still bad, are very much about how humans are stupid and our hubris are going to be our downfall. And Godzilla mm. is just a representation of our hubris. Yeah. Whereas with the American ones, at least in the MonsterVerse, it's this thing of like, we didn't create Godzilla. We yeah. just live on him. We, he was hibernating for a long time, so it wasn't really our fault. I guess we yeah. broke him up when we nuked some places but really like that's not overtly our fault yeah. that's like just that's just oops well sorry didn't mean to do that yeah. so yeah japan's japan's output is still very much godzilla is a representation of our hubris but american output is just look at this monster it's pretty cool am i right check it out he's a big lizard you like a big you like the big lizard don't you max you like the big lizard right I love the big lizard. I knew you would, and that's why I got you the big lizard. Here you go. That was a really good face. I liked that face you pulled right there. Thank you. Alright, the creator... Directed by Gareth Edwards and released in 2023, it stars John David Washington, Madeline Nuna Voiles, Gemma Chan, Alison Janey, and Ken Watana Bay. Emphasis on Bay. Because I love Ken Watanabe so much. Oh my gosh. Can I marry him, please? Why are you shaking your head? Just. He's beautiful. Just continue. Just continue. Uh, well, that's it. Max, what's this movie about? This movie, the creator is about, well, it's about two things. It's about American exceptionalism. They are indeed exceptional at something. And, and racism. And they are racist. Well, humans are racist. No, so basically what this film is about is um, humans develop sentient AI. Go Yay. us. But they nuked California. Boo us. Oh, boo them, sorry. So now we're going to declare war against New Asia. Now, the Wikipedia synopsis for this film refers to New Asia as a country within Southeast Asia. I kind of thought it was like a conglomerate of at least a large part part of Asia. Yeah. I didn't realize New Asia was a small little area. I thought it was... Like yeah. China, Japan, so I don't know. Uh, I don't know how accurate that is because again, like this is the Wikipedia synopsis, but there's a big war between the Americans and the New Asians. That feels racist a, to say. Yeah, as opposed to the old Asians, and the New Asians cooperate with the AI, and the Americans don't. And it's about that war, and also about this guy who. Thinks his dead wife isn't dead. Well, she's not. Spoiler alert. I mean, like, she's, I, I guess. 
She's brain dead. Well, she wasn't brain dead because they could scan her brain. But then she was asleep in. She was coma like in a coma. She was in a coma. Just basically brain dead. It's not brain dead. There's like pretty big distinction. Do I look like a medical dead. medical professional to you? No, but I just really hope that like if you enter a coma, a doctor doesn't go, well, a coma and brain dead is basically the same thing in terms of your life support. <laughs> At that point, I wouldn't know or care. I'd be in a coma and then dead. I guess it'd be something you can deal with. You can make sure that the doctor isn't just like throwing his hands up, like ah, I skipped this this one lesson in medical school. Who knows? They there was one specific lesson that was: is he brain dead or is he in a coma? How to on brain dead and figure out the difference? And he was he he drank the night before and had a hangover and didn't go in. But uh, in my very long-winded attempt to synopsize this film you didn't do my jokes you didn't you didn't do why do i write these if you don't use them i don't know because i made a joke that both films are kind of the exact same plot i mean okay so yes both films are kind of the exact same plot. in her is it's a guy recovering is a man who is reeling from his divorce who falls in love with his computer in this one it's a man who's reeling from his wife's death except she's not dead but she is dead um, who falls in love with the computer, computer, except the computer is actually family. Well, it's a fatherly love, not a father, father romantic love as paternal, compared to the paternal previous. Love. Paternal love, yeah. Paternal love. That's what I said, paternal. Platernal. Platernal? Yeah. I, I don't know. What are you doing? <laughs> I, don't I don't appreciate you just skipping my jokes because I put okay, three I will, seconds I will of- read your jokes and then I will do my well, We just did it. Okay. We just did it. It's fine now. So the movie focuses on this guy and his name is Joshua. Joshua. And he has to go and find Nemada, which is Nepalese for creator. I don't remember which I don't remember which language. I think it was Nepalese. I think it was Nepalese. I'll nod my head, but I'm also gonna say I didn't say that. So if he's wrong, (laughs) I'm not also implicated in this. And it turns out the spoiler alert, the the creator wait, no, I fuck, I'm missing a bit. Oh, this movie has so many things going on. Um Some would say it's a very complicated plot. Yeah. So he they there's a super weapon that the creator made that they're gonna use to find the creator, but the super weapon is also used to destroy the warship that floats Nomad. in the sky called Nomad. Yeah. And the super weapon is is a is a weapon called Alpha O, which turns out to be a child based who uh, Joshua calls Alfie. Alfie. Now we saw this together in the cinema. We did. And as as you can tell from how I've been talking about the film, I think this film is rather complicated. I would I would argue unnecessarily complicated. I would say it needs to be more complicated. And as a result of its unnecessary complication, it creates a lot of plot holes. So we're going to play a little game. A game? We're going to play games. a little game called Let's Fix the Creator. All right. I love this game. How do I play? All right. I've, I've got a series of prompts, which from I should have done this right when I walked out of the movie, but I didn't. I did it today. Um, That's all right. I've got a series of prompts of things I think were issues with the plot in the film. All right. I want you to pitch, I want you to pitch your solution 
your very short solution to each of these potholes in the movie. So what's my what's my boundaries? What what do I do? I have to work in within the frame. I have to maintain as minimal. I have to maintain a minimal amount of deviation from the original plot. Or do I? What do I? Yeah, I think you, like keep it as close as you don't want to. You don't want to like rewrite everything. I know we haven't we haven't talked about this much, but the creator was done on uh, under a hundred million dollars. So we want to keep it eighty million. Pretty, we want to we want to keep it reasonably low budget as sure. far as sci fi films go. Got it. Easy and it's easy, also, done. we've already put a lot of work into this film, so we want to keep it like as consistent as we can. And sure. it would be great if you could keep it consistent with yourself. So I see what's going on now. Are you now playing the role of the studio executive who I've just shown my first edit of this film, and now I am Gareth Edwards? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Hello, yeah. Mr. Yeah, Hello, you Mr. Me Edwards. In. You called me hi, in, Mr. Studio hi, Executive. Hi, Mr. Edwards. We uh, need to talk about your film, The Creator. Yeah, it's really good, I isn't had, it? Like I, it's perfect. I, well, I, I think there's some issues with it. Um, here's here's some in 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 here's some points that I would like you to fix immediately right now. Otherwise, I'll cut all the funding to your film. Can Can you give me two seconds before you no. say this? Because uh, I need to kind of go cry in the bathroom because you said my work wasn't brilliant. No. Um. Okay. So, I'll just cry so, while I do this. Okay. Good. Um, yeah. So. The American military was hiding things from Joshua, correct? Sure, yeah, they were. Yeah. And that and that's what caused the conflict at the beginning of the film when he didn't know that the American military were attacked were attacking uh, them. Absolutely. Yeah. And and this um resulted in his wife that he actually does love getting killed. Yeah. So why does he rejoin the military and then believe them because she, they say that she's alive but don't really give any proper proof? They gave there's a hologram that they checked would be legitimate. But why does he believe them? Because he's blinded by his love and the hope of seeing her again. Is this your final answer? Is this not a good answer? (laughs) I think that's a good answer. I just feel like like they blatantly lied to him to try and get at this, like, creator... So they could- obviously the issue lies in Joshua himself not being more diligent, right? Like, yeah, that's more I mean, the issue. But like, all right, let me see if he, I can fix this. He he, like, just blindly trusts the American military after he got like they got his wife and unborn child killed. Yeah, no, I I totally see what you're coming from. This is Mitchell talking now, not Mr. Edwards. Oh, sorry, I'll get back in character. I'm Mr. Edwards. Now. <laughs> I see what you're saying, Mr. Studio Executive. What if? We had the military also forge a voice recording to Joshua that asked him to come find her or something like that. I I, I think this is a good starting place, but I have another question about this hologram that you mentioned before. Oh my goodness. Okay. Yes. Yes, of course. So, so later in the film, Joshua says that he sees Maya um, his mm. wife wearing the ring in the hologram. Now I was watching this movie and I couldn't even tell that it was Maya because that hologram is grainy as fuck. Sure, of course, yeah. How how the how the how the hell did he see that she was wearing the ring? Well, so this is this answer's going to get a little bit meta. If that's okay with you, Mister Mister Studio Executive, are you okay if I get a bit meta with this one? I'm I'm okay if you get a little bit meta. Yeah, you you only gave me eighty million dollars to make a sci-fi blockbuster. Yeah, but I feel like 
you could have done the hologram with less grain. I feel like the grain adds to the budget rather than takes away from it. You would think that, but shooting random images is easier than creating a good-looking hologram. Because creating a good-looking hologram means we have to render that all and we have to do all the processes of making it look realistic and all that. So to cut cost, we made the holograms look like shit. Okay, okay. So I, so if you I give need me to, another $5,000, I can fix that. Okay, we can't give you more money, but well, what fuck. I will ask is that right. I, I, need, I need you to show me the audience that mm. she has the ring because I what don't if, believe you. What if, what if there's a moment where in some downtime where Joshua is re-watching the hologram and he zooms in on the hand and it's quite obviously there's a ring on it. This could work. This could work. Okay. All right. All right. I'm going to move on a little bit later into the film. Of we've course. met. We've met. Which obviously Alpha means o. that the rest of that, anything between that point you just made and the next point is perfect. There's no issues. Um, just say I, yes. It's definitely that. It's definitely that and not that um, I, I did scrap these notes together a week after I watched the film. Um, I appreciate this meeting, by the way, Mr. Studio Executive. I understand you have a very busy schedule. I do have a busy schedule. I um, have been uh, in brunch for so long. So many brunches. So there brunches. was one long brunch. It went with for the, like a week. I bet that was like with Zack Snyder, right? Zack Snyder and Mickey Mouse himself. N- Mickey Mouse himself. Sorry, I don't think we're allowed to say that. Um, the 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 mouse. Oh wait, because this, th- this is a this is a this is a Fox film, right? Yes. What studio am I working for again? <laughs> this is <laughs> Mr. Edwards. <laughs> uh, I swore I'd never work with 20- Disney again after I did 20- Star Wars. Twentieth century. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I've been bamboozled and tricked. Shell Company Disney. <laughs> Shell, sorry, the Shell Company 20th Century Fox got me to work with Disney again. Um, so we've just met Alpha O. We're calling we're calling her Alfie. We are um, calling her. Why Alfie. does she like Joshua? I just I've got I've got some I've got some uh, before you continue, I've just got some these these are the issues that I got. So so we yeah. see we see Alfie watching cartoons which are obviously you can see in the cartoons that they're shooting the nomad the the, the flying um the military the big base. spaceship yeah and obviously like it's like um like new asian anti like nomad propaganda right yeah yeah that, that's pretty obvious i think like from I the think so. glimpses that you get i'm glad um, you believe so because we worked I, a lot on those yeah I, so i feel like that there's a there's a level that um alfie would already like have a distrust towards the american military see what you're saying see what um, you're saying and then like even even if it was like even if joshua showed up and and for whatever reason she decides that oh no this one's okay um he points a gun at her at multiple points during mm. this film and i just mm. feel like as a child if i was a child i was never a child because i was born a studio executive you 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 came out of a hole in the ground wearing a suit and holding a briefcase and inside that briefcase was the souls of Walt Disney and whoever created Universal. Yeah, you know when they you know Boss Baby is based on a true story, right? Your story? My story. I did not realize I am, that. 
I am the boss, baby. It's crazy that you sold that story to DreamWorks when you worked for Disney. Um, I anyway. Um, <laughs> I just anyway. feel as if Alfie would not trust Joshua. All right, what if we cut out some of the points where he points a gun at her? And also add in a point because his friend dies, right? Is in the back seat of the car when they escape. Mm-hmm. What if he actually is forced to kill him to help her? I'm going to take your silence as that's a perfect fix. Or, or, hold on, or, 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 hold on. Uh, What if, what if she can sense in him her father? Because he is her father. Mm, That's the kind of bullshit that I like. I knew you would. Mr. Mr. Business Executive. Is this, what's your name again? Uh, studio, executive. studio Executive. I beg your pardon, sorry. Business Executive is your brother or sister? I, I feel like um, I've met no, them before. Mr. Executive is my father. No, I said Business Executive. Bus- Mr. Business Executive was my father. You oh. Mr. Studio Executive. Mr. Studio Executive. Right, I beg yeah. your pardon. Sorry, I thought I thought <laughs> I meant your brother or sister. Um. Now, we have a character, um, Harun played by your your favorite actor, um, Gareth Edwards, uh, Ken Watanabe. For two seconds uh, there, I thought you were saying me, Gareth Edwards' favorite actor was Gareth Edwards. <laughs> yes, you're quite correct. Ken Watanabe uh, is indeed my favorite actor of all time, and I would not yeah. leave my house without him by my side. I'm so glad that you said that, Gareth. The actual Gareth Edwards. Yes, I, I am indeed the actual Gareth Edwards. So he says that uh, very offhandedly, I might add, that the nuclear expo- explosion in California was caused by a human coding error. Yes. Now, there's, I have just a couple of issues with that one. Sure. Um, one is this is never brought up again and is said in a fleeting moment of commentary. We have to cut out other scenes that explain more before time. Right. So how's the audience meant to believe you? Because Ken Watanabe said it. <laughs> Understandable. Yeah. Um, and we now, all know that everything Ken Watanabe says is truth. Right. So so this 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 is the other this is the other issue, is that the, I, I I see two realities playing out and that neither occur in this film, which is sure. one is the Harun is lying about it being coding error, and mm. it was the AI. Couldn't in which be case it's Ken Watanabe and Ken Watanabe never lies. But well, he's playing a character who might lie. He would never. But for the sake of the argument, if he did lie, but he and, wouldn't, and the AI did Nuke. blow up California, California, or LA, in this or wherever insane it was. situation where Ken Watanabe is capable of saying a lie, yes, yeah. I will, I will, um, I will allow it. I will humor you. Would that not totally undermine the whole, all of the themes of the film? Tell me more. Explain to me how. So if 
the whole point is that when you're meant to be treating, like there's a large portion of this movie that is about how uh, a very thinly veiled allegory for AI being about people and uh, sure. it being about racism, which I'm glad that you made a thin, thinly veiled uh, allegory rather than actually making it about racism. It's much more palatable for a Western audience. Yeah, I I didn't want to make anyone uncomfortable while watching this yeah, movie. Yeah, this good, movie about good. racism. I didn't want anyone to feel uncomfortable. Yeah, exactly. I'm, yeah. I'm so glad. White people have it hard enough as is. Yeah, I, I'm glad that you said that as as a as Mr. White Studio Executive. Um, Mr. My, White Studio Executive. Well, Mr. White Studio Executive, he's um my uncle, and he had it really rough. He never made it fully up the executive chain. So how do you get? He never well, lived up to his name. So the name and the title are two different things. And it's just the struggles that us uh, us whites have. Um, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yes, it's horrible out there. <laughs> but um, if the robots blew up the LA, did then a boom. That undermines the whole point of the American side being like evil and racist towards the robots because the robots are inherently malicious. No, so I understand why you're saying this. And the problem is that I explained it further in the cutscenes. Basically, it was rudimentary AI at that point in time. And it was still being still being uh developed and it hadn't fully come to what it is in the film as at that we see it. And so yeah, well what I can do is I'll just have Mr. Ken Watanabe just have a out of character it's very funny that we've decided that everyone just has mr in front of their name everyone now. is mr yeah including all the women as well and yep. non-binary people yeah everyone is mr everyone is mr mr ken watanabe i'll get him i'll put the scenes back in where he talks about it, it was very rudimentary ai and it was it didn't understand and it had been given poor information and it was just because the person who was creating the ai I mean, obviously, there's what's what's wait. What what did I call the creator again? What what did I say? I can't remember. No, Nomada. Nomada. Thank you very much. It's been a while since I watched the film. Uh, obviously, Nomada made AI, but then other people developed it further beyond that. You know how the touchscreen was probably made by a couple of people, and then it's gone beyond that now. It, what happened was once other people beyond Namada had it, it, there was some rushing and the US government wanted this AI done really quickly and it, it just was not up to scratch when it was launched and therefore it was launched in a nuke at the city. So, so this leads me to my second issue with that, which is if it was true, if, if what um, Harun says, if what Ken Watanabe says is true, then it is very likely that the US knew that it was in fact a human error. And as a result of knowing that they pinned it on the AI in order to instigate a war with New Asia. But we don't know why this is the case. You say that, but okay. In all seriousness, Mitchell Mitchell talking. <laughs> I thought that was pretty obvious. I I this is Max talking. Yeah. I, <laughs> I thought it was obvious that, that the military knew it was a human error and they were using it as a, because it's a Vietnam War allegory. But, yeah, but it's never explained why they want to okay, so go then, to war with New Asia. 
obviously at that point, I guess maybe it's deciding it's doing <laughs> it's doing the Batman thing where it's skipping the origin story that we already know the information of in that we already know that America will go to war over anything it can't just like it'll use anything to go to war over anything for imperialism American imperialism I just feel like that's a really lazy look that's Mitchell is saying that I'm not saying it's the good thing to do I'm just saying that's maybe what happened but I'm also reckoning what happened was a lot of backstory because I agree with you completely by the way everything you've put forward I do agree I was playing a character when I was Mr. Gareth Edwards. Um, so Mr. Gareth Edwards. <laughs> well, kind of sorry, because I do agree. I really do think that it came out of nowhere when Ken Watanabe said it was a coding error. I, I went, oh, are we going to know more? No, no, we don't get to know more. And I think that's a very missed opportunity. And I think it's a big detriment to the film itself because mm. it's a point you get the sense that you're going to learn more about this event very early on because you're very much like it, it, it there's something wrong with how it's described especially since the ai don't act horrible and they're not mm. like these really aggressive people so i do really believe that just on the cutting room floor there are a few yeah. scenes where it, it's gone into it, deeper it really gets introduced as this completely like um unprovoked event and exactly it's just very strange that it's sort of just left alone and i agree like again stepping away from this for a little bit but um there's a lot of this film that seems like it was left on the cutting room floor for the sake of time and it is a long film it's about it's a long film but at at the same time i'd be really interested to see a director's cut of this film that's actually what i've heard a lot of a lot of people have gone and come out and said i think this is one this is a this is one of the films one of the first films in a while sorry that have made me interested in the extended version of mm. because I reckon they just all reckon it would probably flesh the movie out more and make it yeah. more interesting. And I'm sure we'll go into this later, but it, it, it does do a lot of things really well. Yes, um, we're not ju- we're not just shitting on it. That we're not we're just going to shit on this movie the whole time. Even though that's what we've done for the past length of time that we've been talking. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, back to the studio. Um, yeah, so I'm Mr. Mr. Edwards. Um, yes, I, I've just got a few more points. Um, so, in at about the, I would say, the the end of the second arc. Um, mm. as as uh, second arc or say, second act. Sorry, second second act. Sorry, um, that's all right. You've had a it, long brunch with Zach, Zach I had Snyder. A long long brunch with Zach Snyder and the mouse. Classically, yeah, you would say in the hero's journey, this is like the lowest point. Yes. Um, the, the the death of the character as 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 it were um mm. and and this is represented by josh and alfie getting captured by the u.s forces i was confused because i'll forgive josh getting captured or joshua getting captured but they just wanted to kill alfie the whole time up until this point yes and now they've captured her yeah uh If they shot her on sight, the third act couldn't happen. I understand this, but I feel like there's a better solution. <laughs> You're absolutely correct, Mr. Studio Executive, and I would I would never say anything different either. Everything you say is absolutely correct, and I could never mm. go against that. Yeah, just remember, I'm paying you. That's and uh, I've never forgotten that fact. Never once. Uh, what? Uh, what we could do 
is we could have them force Joshua to shoot Alfie then, but he fakes it, and then she hides on the spaceship and they take him straight to Nomad then. This seems to make a lot more sense to me. Which then cuts out a nice 10 to 15 minutes of the film, and I can refill that back up with the backstory on the fucking nuke. All God, right. I'm a genius. <laughs> I'm so glad. I'm so glad that we did this uh, revised version of this of this film, Mr. Gareth Edwards. I love having my work pulled apart like this and treated just like a joke. This is awesome. <laughs> so now I want to talk about Nomad for a bit. I like the idea of this really impressive weapon that the U.S. made that cost trillions of dollars and is irreplaceable because that is absolutely something the U.S. would do, I believe. Oh, for real, for real. Yeah. But um, given that they just blow it up with like a regular bomb, could they not just have shot a ground-to-air missile at it? I thought they blew it up with a bunch of missiles attached to it. they, they, They stuck one bomb... On one of the missiles. Yeah. Well, the, the, the missiles are really powerful. The most yeah, powerful so like if you missiles just that blew up, So the missiles are already on the station. Yeah. And if we shot a missile into the station, yeah. it would cause the chain reaction that we see in the movie. Nah, because it might miss. <laughs> <laughs> so in all seriousness... I assume, Mitchell talking again, I assume there's a scene where they discuss the logistics of just shooting a ground-to-air rocket at it or something like that, and they go, nah, the, uh, there's some countermeasures or something that it has that just make that impossible, and like, for some reason that just got cut out. I just, I don't understand why the only reason it, like, it working is like, yeah, it needs to be shot offline with an EMP. Like, why didn't they just use an EMP? Like a regular EMP. Well, I mean, at that point as well, maybe New Asia just didn't have the resources for it. Uh, but they have the they're resources. Because they're trying to get... New Asia gets bulldozed pretty much the whole film. Yeah, they're I never know, really on America the front. America too much in their military. Yeah, exactly. But the but, point, but, but like, uh, I, I guess... I feel, like, yeah. I feel like New Asia definitely had the resources. New Asia had the resources to build like an AI that grows in power as it gets older i think they had the resources to build an emp device well i guess they got no because what happened was that was done with the help of namada aka Gemma chan or maya but like but nomad then, existed before that imagine mr gareth edwards nose just one like streak of blood coming out into his like dripping down into his mouth all right I i'm just gonna leave that a, one for now i don't have a fix i don't I'm mitchell gonna, doesn't I'm have a fix that one for now. um why didn't they fire all the missiles from nomad earlier they already had targets by the looks of things so why didn't they why did they wait till the very end to fire them all why didn't the death star just destroy the first planet and then hit the next planet it it did no, it didn't. Well, it destroyed all the wrong. Pl- yeah, and then, but then it warps. It comes out of warp speed, which is a Star Trek thing as well. So that's awkward. But it comes out of light speed on one side of a planet, and the reason why it takes so long for it to shoot the Yavin Four, the 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 base, mm. is because it has to get around to the other side of the that big gas giant. 
Why not just blow up the gas giant and then shoot Alderaan? I don't oh, Alderaan, like, sorry, Yavin 4. I don't think that using a, a bad pothole in Star Wars is enough to justify the bad pothole it's in your just, movie. It's just timing. And it, it means that we could have that really cool scene where the missile smacks into the ground but doesn't explode. So I also want to touch on this because, like, alongside have already having all the time, like, could, could you not just have, like, not had the targets and just had them fire at major New Asia cities rather than specific targets that they talk about being military bases? Well, they're, they're, they're soldiers, not war criminals. <laughs> I, I disagree with that one, but okay. Yeah, that's why I laughed. It's obviously a jest. It's obviously a jerk. Why did the missiles deactivate when Nomad went offline? To be fair, to be fair, this is something that submarines also kind of do. They have a, like, the torpedoes have to be, like, turned on and stuff like that after a certain range. And I, I understand that. that. I understand that they need to be turned on. Because they get shot out of Nomad, but then they get turned off. Well, because like, that's a thing. You have to like, oh, I don't know. I'm not exactly sure how it works, but I, I, oh, my dad's going to listen to this and send, send me a message and be like, you're an idiot after listening to this. But I think that you have to maintain some sort of signal or something for the missile to, the, the torpedoes to currently explode. Because like, if something goes wrong, you can just kind of like flick, flick it off or like, you, you know, it's... There's a level of that can it, I believe that because submarines kind of do that. And then I guess like if that's the case, then why was there no ground base that had secondary like backups for these missiles? Like even just to like be able to switch them on and go boom. Bad planning on the Americans' part. You know what? I'm actually happy with that answer. Thank you for your time, Mr. Gareth. Oh, no, thank you, Mr. Thank you, Mr. Uh, Studio Executive. It's been an absolute pleasure. I really hope that you managed to get that conversation with Zack Snyder and the mouse squared away. I assume it's because the mouse is going to sue Zack Snyder for ripping off old Star Wars on his new film, Rebel Moon, and his other new film, Rebel Moon 2. Um... No, we're actually working on a on a, a Warner Brothers uh, Disney merger with Zack Snyder. But you didn't hear that from me. With, with Zack Snyder, yeah, the man who doesn't work with Warner Brothers anymore. He actually secretly does. He doesn't want you to know this. Me specifically, or the public? Yeah, actually, there's a Hollywood conspiracy, but I'm on your side, Mr. Gareth Edwards. Wait, does Hollywood not like me? <laughs> Hollywood actually doesn't like you, Mr. Gareth Edwards. Why not? They don't respect you as an author. I understand that. I get it. I get it. I'll just, I'll make more, I'll make the creator too. And that'll show them. No plot holes next time. Well, I'm going to leave now, Mr. Mr. Studio Executive. Okay, thank, thank you. Thank you, thank you for having thank me. You. That's all right, Mr. Gareth Edwards. Um, We'll see if we can fit this into your, into before the release. Oh, wait, no, I got, wait, no, I just got told that um we, we can't edit the film anymore. Oh, no. Drad. What a, what a shame. Oh, well. I feel like my body just got taken over by another being. Did you feel that, Max? Yeah, Ooh. I felt like I, like... You lost your soul for a second there. I lost my soul, but also it was in a briefcase. With Did you rub up against any anti-Semites, such as Walt Disney?
Yeah. Interesting. I just, I felt like someone who kept kind of getting fucked over by Hollywood. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So what did you think of the creator, Mitch? I actually liked it. <laughs> I think it's... <laughs> we spent so long in this review and we got to that now. <laughs> I like it. It's good. It's it's not always fun, but a lot of it is fun and it looks really good and it has some solid just aesthetic cinematography stuff. The acting in general is fine. Where it really, really does fall apart is the story, which I think we've we've just kind of given a glimpse of but in general like just the script and the story is very weak it's not good yeah i i agree i think there's a lot of this film that is really excellent the like character i i think even like as far as i say like the character writing is really good and the way oh, the characters I interact i think the way the characters interact with each other in this film is i good. found joshua confusing because he's very st- <sighs> what happened he's very jovial at the start of the film because his wife hasn't died yet which is fine i'm fine with that what kind of throws me a little bit is he's 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 not jovial anymore after his wife is dead understandable mm-hmm. but then he kind of becomes funny again in just random points during action sequences to throw out funny action dialogue kind of stuff but then that also yeah. disappears his characterization just comes and goes in weird ways i i think more so what i'm referring to is is like the the like inter-character relationships are built quite well sure i think and i think the relationships between like alfie and um joshua are pretty like pretty good and the relationships that we see between the like the simulants as they're called and the people of new asia and the sort of way that that all fits together is quite good yeah as you're saying special effects are really quite excellent especially given there is a reasonably low budget for a sci-fi movie of this scale it's not a small budget i'm not going to say it's a small budget but it's it's um yeah small for for this kind of movie it's not the two hundred million that they make Marvel mill movies with no, and stuff like exactly. that. Exactly, um, and, and it looks ten times better than I think a Marvel <laughs> film has looked like in ages as well. There is some real like charm to this, and some real interesting ideas behind it. I just yeah, it's really let down by just uh, all these gaps. I think even like I quite liked the world they were building, especially at the start of the film, where it was very much like like the newsreel. The, like there's a yeah the first scene of the film is this newsreel of how AI developed and the different kinds of AI that there are and it is a bit expositiony but at the same time I feel like it, it it does give you a glimpse into what the style of the world is and the kind of it's this sort of sixties aesthetic like combined with AI robots and um how that sort of plays out and they really lean into that quite well and then it sort of falls away a bit once we get into the meat of the film which is mm. a little bit of a shame like as we we're saying there's there's bits of the backstory that are just missing that make other parts of the film unbelievable like even to the extent that like we don't at any point see americans have any stronger like we don't really see any americans in the film beyond the military at Mm-hmm. And we especially don't see any that sort of are opposing the the 
regime, which uh, if this is a not to the very end, at least though. Well, yeah, but um, if this is like a Vietnam War allegory, mm. a, a, as you suggested, it, it, it seems very strange to me that we have that very limited sort of uh, counter response from from um, the general yeah. public, and we sort of get a little bit of that with the scene where the woman is totally freaked out because they're like switching off the the AI. Who mm. seems to be alive? Is this one when they're cleaning up? When they're nuked, when they're cleaning up in the in the ground the zero, lost uh, Los, uh, Los Angeles, yeah. And that's sort of the closest we get to like more of the world in America, I guess. And I know that most of the film is spent in New Asia, but I feel like it would have been nice to see a little bit more of that, especially given that the start of the film sets that up. I totally agree. I think a lot of what you said is, is absolutely correct. It's and I reckon it comes about because the film's focus is not on that. It's on the, the, the spectacle and the style. And what it focuses on, it focuses on really well. But I think when you write a sci-fi film like this, you need to be able to focus on the political world building as well as just the physical and technological. Because the story it tells through the imagery is absolutely amazing mm. and that's something that gareth edwards is brilliant at uh, as i mentioned before he did godzilla 2014 and there's been sequels to that film since which he hasn't been a part of and not a single one of them has managed to convey the level of scale that these monsters are compared to us as tiny little humans and it's just it's uh, the cinematography is actually really gorgeous in those films Lots of issues. Like, I, yeah. I'd say the same thing with um, Rogue, Rogue One. One That's what well. I was going to move to next. Yes, yeah. exactly. Like the death, the looming Death Star, mm. but not even that. When the the sand versions of the eighty eighties rock up on Scarif, is that the planet? That, I honestly the, can't remember. Whatever the tropical planet at the very end of the film, where they have the 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 big warp scene, which tricked everyone to think it's a much better film than what it actually is. It's brilliant. It's he does really good scale and he does really good explosions as well because the explosions in this film are actually really sick it's because i think what they did a really cool thing and i don't know if you would agree with this or, or notice it as well i assume you did because you know as well than i do but each time you saw a nomad missile we slowly went further and further away from it but we still got like some sort of aftershock or something from it and so just really so the first time we see it it's huge it's massive it's like watching a nuke up close type thing obviously it's yeah. not a nuke but it's like thing but then we get further and further away but we still see these aftershocks so this the, the mm-hmm. we, we never lose sight of it's not since we're seeing it in different perspectives we're not losing sight of the scale of this explosion mm-hmm. and we're still seeing that it's it's it, it, no matter how far away you are from it if you can see it you're probably getting some sort of aftershock or wind or getting screwed over somehow yeah. And I think that's really clever filmmaking. It's yeah, really I I had not noticed that until you brought it up, but I definitely like see what you, what you mean by that. And yeah, it it sort of lets you show the scale, like the variety of scale that weapon like that has. Yeah, it builds like, fear again, for this thing. Yeah, again, it, it it sort of alluding to like nuclear war and the the threat during of of the Cold War of the, of nuclear strikes during. Um, like the Korean War and the Vietnam War. And you see, like, yeah, you, you've got both those, like the huge scale, this is incredibly disruptive to 
so much of the environment, not as in like a the trees, but as in like yeah. it has such a widespreading effect alongside the like this is an incredibly personal thing because there are people who are getting killed by this and mm. there's going to be the aftermath of that is always going to be that there's someone who has lost family or loved ones or friends yeah. or whatever. And the movie does touch on this a lot. Joshua, the main character, um, uh, is largely driven by the fact that not only is Maya, his wife, killed by a nomad explosion, but his, both of his parents killed off screen. Um, his brother as in, well? And his, I think so. Sister or brother, sibling. The LA nuke yeah. detonation. And he lost his arm and leg, his right arm and leg as well. Yeah. And we sort of get this driving force of the idea of like these super weapons and the, like the actual, both the like massive scale at which they operate, but the, the real personal effect that they have on people's lives. Mm. it's a very visually stunning film that I think is just let down by its holes in the story. I also just want to really, really quickly mention that the theater going experience for this film was a bit odd because you, cause we saw it all together and people laughed at the appropriate points and people, you know, and people, but then there's the section, (laughs) there's the section at the very end this is so funny. It ruined the moment as well. It so really there's a, did. There's the section at the end when they're in, when he when Joshua and Alfie are infiltrating Nomad and they got on board and they've done this trick by getting a commercial space shuttle to the moon to land on Nomad due to crap. It's clever and I actually thought that was pretty cool as well. It was a nice bit of world building that then coincided with a clever plan. I like that's cool what and then the part of the plan is to blow the airlock because no bad's in orbit so there's an airlock and if you blow an airlock you're gonna get a suction because all the air is gonna rush out and they blow the airlock and a SWAT team is pulled out of this spaceship and it's silent because space is silent and we're watching these people float out and scream like oh and then it goes like silent because it's like that cool effect and then some guy just from like behind us goes <laughs> Just like the most weird laugh, not weird, but just oh, it was very idiosyncratic, like, and it was everyone it was like laughed. Some, <laughs> some some guy two rows back. We're just watching this and this like this horrific like they've been ripped out of this airlock. It's a big guy, big cinema like, big screen as well, so it's a lot of sound and then no sound. It's so silent. Silent. It's silent, and we just hear, uh, <laughs> and the whole the whole cinema just starts pissing themselves. Which ruined this very, it's a good moment. It's a really good moment. And this one guy ruined <laughs> it. So, I don't know. It's, I just wanted to mention that as well. That, because oh, no, it that was, was funny. so funny. That was so yeah. funny. Don't but, do that. Don't ruin films to people like that. If that was, if, if that guy, if you're listening to this. Look, it was funny, but say fuck sorry. you. Sorry. <laughs> it was funny, but like, I don't know. Don't do it again. Don't do it do again. A, do an apology. Yeah, make an apology vid. Get a ukulele out. Start strumming. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know if I have much more to say about this film. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tricky because I I think there's a lot of this film that is really good, and I think like a lot of it comes down to like the visuals are really good, and there is some really interesting relationships in this film, and um, frankly, the ideas that they touch on are 
interesting ideas and ideas that aren't necessarily just applicable to AI. And that's true of all films that discuss mm. AI, but I think it's very digestible and a nice little, uh, a cheeky little jab at the American military without having to actually uh, have the American military involved, which is yeah. kind of nice. Um, I'm so a huge can, fan of making fun of the American military. Um, um, I'm all for it. But yeah, it does have some issues that, yeah, uh, I, I came out of it going that this film had some serious plot issues and had the potential to be something really fantastic. And I feel like it just missed the mark. I really think from what I've seen, I can't, I, I haven't seen Monster, which is his debut film. And it's meant to be really good, actually. Monsters, whatever. Uh, but what I reckon is Gareth Edwards maybe isn't the most brilliant writer, but as a director, he's really good as a visionary, as a man who has a, a man who has an idea of what he wants to show and knows how to shoot it because he's a visual effects person as well i think he does a lot of that work and all that i think yeah maybe he just maybe should step away from writing or just just focus down man like i i can see what you're doing and you're working with some really good stuff but i just you need to put a bit more in is really it just work on your writing skills i don't want to say don't write because alternatively that's really hire us we're great we just fix your whole movie yeah, we did it without going over budget, and we even cut off maybe fifteen minutes. Oh no, we re-added that fifteen minutes in. We re-added we? the fifteen minutes where. But it's a better fifteen minutes, I reckon. It had more can as someone we 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 don't know, but I'm going to say it is. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. So that's moral. That's the moral of the story: is hire us for your writing team. Please give We're us jobs in the movie great. industry. Yeah, I'll We're work both for really funny. I will work for exposure at this point in time. Like I know you shouldn't, but I will. Yeah. Don't don't quote me on that. <laughs> Please pay me. I need money. Uh, I'm going to give my my rate, ranking. Yeah, yeah, my yeah, rating. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have three inappropriate responses to a SWAT team being blown out an airlock out of five. Oh, I gave the creator three human rights abuses and a child's rights abuse out of five. It's funny that the that's, child's right abuse is the point five. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know how I feel about it. Child is half a person, <laughs> both in rights and in size. I didn't say that, Mitch did. Yeah, I'm already fine from the first thing you said. We're, we're even now. Alrighty, so this has been the Blockbusted Podcast. I've been Mitch. I've been Max. You can send us questions, reviews, and warranted hate mail at blockbustedpotty at gmail.com. That's potty spelled P-O-D-D-I-E. I can probably stop saying that part. I think people get it at this point, right? No, because if the, it's for the new listeners. Oh, for the new listeners. It's kind of funny. I always forget about the new listeners. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter. We've been told not to call it X, just Twitter, at the username BBPotty. And we should be fine to switch this. TikTok is blockbustedpotty. We should be fine to switch that uh now i will do it if i recall to but also i haven't posted something on that for ages so it's really so not that important. Either, either find us on at blockbusted potty on on tiktok or possibly bb potty on tiktok it might be bb potty uh yeah if you can't find us as blockbusted potty it'll be bb potty uh this week be nice to your smart devices because ai will be taking over one day like soon I assume so. Have you seen uh, ChatGPT? It's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it's behind the, the new one's behind a paywall, though. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think would we'll pay be safe. for it. 
Would you pay for um, your dick to be vibrator? Yeah, probably. Have you ever had a dreams that that you um you had you 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 could you do you you want you you could do so you you do you could you you want you want him to do you so much you could do anything?